millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. And there we have it. Budget 2023 has been delivered and now it's time for the fallout. The government reveals its response to runaway inflation, aiming to put more money in people's pockets. They're calling it the cost of living budget. We know our citizens need help. We know our employers need help. And this budget aims to give this help. But the coalition's been accused of failing to give people the certainty they desperately need, facing into a turbulent winter ahead. For many, the hopes that they had for this budget have been disappointed today. And I'm here live in the University of Galway, where we'll be hearing from members of the public and asking what Budget 2023 can do for them. Join the conversation online with your comments and your questions. As always, it's hashtag TonightVMTV. government has revealed what it's termed its cost of living budget, insisting it will make a difference to people and they will notice that difference quickly. But the opposition has accused the coalition of failing to give the public the certainty they were so desperately looking for ahead of the difficult winter ahead. Well, budget 2023 features tax changes, increases in core social welfare payments, energy credits, childcare reliefs and a cut in college fees. On the old reliables, excise duty on a pack of 20 cigarettes rises by 50 cent, but there are no increases in the cost of alcohol. Well, I'm joined by our economics correspondent, Paul Calkin, to crunch all the big numbers of Budget Day. Paul. So this wasn't a normal budget, Claire. It came with a package of what the government hopes will be one-off measures, and that was bigger than advertised. It totals 4.1 billion euro. There had been an expectation it would only run to 3 billion. And of that, the biggest component will go to households, around 2.2 billion euro. And that will comprise of things like the 600 euro energy credits, the double welfare payments. And then the other big component is 1.2 billion euro going towards this new temporary business energy support scheme, which the government says will have a 10,000 euro monthly cap. It will be in place across the winter. And there is a hope, I think, behind the scenes that a windfall tax on energy companies, when it finally comes into play, will help fund that 1.2 billion euro, some of it, if not indeed all of it. So that's the one-off package. Then you have the normal budget, 
the largest budget we've seen in some time, 6.9 billion euro. Again, bigger than advertised. It had been expected to come in at 6.7. There's a 1.1 billion euro income tax package within that. That includes the change to the 40% tax rate, the band, the entry point. So people will now have to earn 40,000 euro before that kicks in. So that's a considerable saving for many people. They'll be able to bring home more of their pay. They've also raised the ceiling on the second USC rate to ensure that people who are benefiting from the increase in the minimum wage aren't captured by that USC rate. And then there's other big components that need to be looked at in isolation, such as childcare. Obviously, the government hung its hat on trying to reduce the cost of childcare, bringing down fees. They're putting 121 million euro towards childcare. They're hoping to bring down fees by 25%. And then when it comes to welfare, uh, Michael McGrath unveiled a 1 billion euro package there. That's the 12 euro increase on core welfare rates. Thanks so much for that, Paul. Uh, now we're going to go to Kira Doherty, who's in the University of Galway, for more reaction. Kira. Um, the public transport reductions for students. Is it just a reduction in fares? Yeah, yeah it's a 50% reduction in fares. Okay, that's positive. But it'll end next year if they just haven't said when. Well, thanks, Claire. Uh, excuse me there, I was caught speaking off camera uh, to one of the guests that I'm going to be speaking to today. I'm here in the O'Donoghue Theatre on the University of Galway campus to speak to the biggest stakeholders in Budget 2023. That's the public. Well, first up tonight, I'm joined by Connie Hannan, owner of Chakawalia Childcare. Pat McDonough, founder and owner of Supermax, and Denise McNamara, parent and journalist with the Connacht Tribune. And I'm also joined by Valerie McHugh, a master's student and a renter. And Valerie, we were just talking there uh, before we came on camera because we were saying, actually, at the start of the day, you thought this was a good day for students. You're a postgrad student here uh, in Galway University, but that's not the case. Yeah, I had my high, like my hopes high, mm. but they've been crashed down in the last few minutes when I've been like looking into the logistics of the budget. Uh, that student contribution fee cut appears to apply to undergraduates and it doesn't apply, it seems, to postgraduates, which I am. So I'm not getting any, um, I suppose, ease on my fees this year, which isn't very nice to hear. But And as a postgrad student here, your fees are substantial? Yeah, like a... I know our masters that we're doing is costing eight and a half grand. So, so a thousand euro back would have been welcome, but you're yeah. not going to get that. No, it and again, seem so. the five hundred euro cut in university fees next year also won't apply to you. You won't be here. I won't be here. And I there's mean, restrictions on that too. There's thresholds on that that, um, like, not everyone's going to meet that anyway. So, uh, it seems to be with the budget that it's T's and C's apply. So that's what I've basically mm. been going with today. Talking about T's and C's apply, uh, one of the big, big issues here, of course, in Galway is student accommodation. Uh, we hear about it every single year, but it's particularly bad this year. There's been a real scramble, hasn't there, to secure accommodation and reasonable accommodation? Is that even an option? Was that an option for you? Well, I think that it's fair to say anyone that lives in Galway is affected by the crisis in some way. There's different levels. You can be the student or anybody who's living in a tent because you can't get accommodation. You could be the person who's paying absolutely colossal rents to live in uh, a twin single room, if you like, uh, and pay loads of money. Or you can be someone like me who is nearly petrified to move out of the accommodation at any cost because I know how fortunate I am to get accommodation in the first place. And I'm not even allowed, like I can't even get a parking permit for where I live. So like it's just affecting people in different ways. And like there's no clear cut, like nobody's getting away lightly. 
Now, you had a situation, didn't you, over the summer months where you had a house here in Galway, but you had a job in Tullamore. Yes. So what did you do? Well, I started working in Tullamore, uh, I think it was back in early May, and I had this decision where I knew I was going to be there for at least four or five months. And I knew that if I moved out of my place in Galway, I'd probably never get it back. And I knew I was coming back for my master's. So I commuted up and down to Tullamore every day, which was 90 minutes on the motorway. And that kind of kicked in around the time that the fuel prices began to go through the ceiling. Um, and I don't have the most economical car, so um, it wasn't the best time. Um, but it was just the situation I was faced with and I just had to do what I could, but I ended up paying a fortune of money out on petrol just to keep a place in a house just because I knew I wouldn't get one back. Okay, so you're spending a small fortune on rent here, but you have a place and you're grateful uh, mm. for a place. Renters today may have been happy to hear that there is this rent credit of €500. Euro. Again, will it apply to students? It's not looking that likely, you know. I'm not, I, I don't think it will. And that's really sad because it's all fine and well bringing in a tax credit for renters. But when you're looking at a big chunk of renters are people that are on, we'll say, minimum wage or are students. And when that's not going to help them, like, who, who's going to help us? You know, what, what, are, what are we, we expected to do? It's, it's, it's just really unfair. There were some positives yeah. in the budget today. There were some measures that you welcomed. I try and be as I, idealist as possible. I was really happy to see that the free contraception age bracket has been extended to 16 to 30 year olds. I think that just made far more sense than cutting it off at 25, so that's great. Uh, speaking about petrol, which I know I already have, I'm glad to see it's not getting any dearer. Like, it would be fantastic to see it get cheaper, but I just, I know that that's not the world we're living in right now. So I'm glad to see it's not getting any more expensive. Okay, for now. That's for one now, of the positives. For now. And I know for you, uh, Denise, you're a local journalist here, you're a mother of two, and that's been one of your big outgoings, isn't it? The cost of diesel. I'm always on the road, yeah. And it's gone from filling my car. I, I have a 141 car, um, not the most economical <laughs> either. And it's gone from 55 euro to 95 euro. When, uh, since all, all these um, increases in inflation have, have happened. So it's a huge outgoing for me, yeah. So the cuts in excise and the fact that they're going to be extended until the end of February 2023, does that reassure you at all? No, because it's not going down. The prices aren't going down. It's staying the same. So with the amount of tax the government are taking from our diesel and petrol at the pump, I think they could have done a lot more there. Okay, one of the other big outgoings for every household in Ireland at the moment is their energy costs. And we did hear today, it was well flagged, uh, another energy credit, this time €600. Euro. How important is that to you? It's important, uh, absolutely. I don't really understand why they don't pay it to the householder rather than to the energy company. I can't quite fathom that because I know when we got it um, there a couple of months ago, um, it didn't seem to bring my bill down. I don't know. Maybe I just was in one of those weird houses where uh, it's just going to go up and up and up and up. But um, during the summer there, uh, we, we weren't even, we weren't in the house for two weeks. We were camping and I came back and my bill was 280 for the gas and I hadn't put on the gas. You and were that there was, for two weeks of the month and it was the summer months yeah. and the heat wasn't going on. And so I just don't, uh, this was the time when we were meant to be getting the credit. So I don't know, is that cre credit being properly applied by the energy companies? 
Um, you have two children too, aged 10 and 14. We heard that this was you know, a family-centred uh, budget. So some things, the double child benefits is payment is to be welcomed? Absolutely welcome and it'll be going straight on bills. Yeah, so um, the only, th I, 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 obviously it's welcome that they have, um, they're now subsidising the, the, the cost of uh, school books. For primary for school children? National school children, but nothing for secondary. And secondary school, as every parent knows that has a, a kid in secondary school, the prices are astronomical trying to pay for school books and absolutely nothing for them. Yeah, and Connie, I see you nodding yeah. in agreement. Yeah, yeah. You've had that experience? I've just had two, two who are both in university now and another who will start secondary school next year. So. I've had two with a year between them in secondary school, so I know exactly what it costs. Yeah, you feel like you're out yeah, of fortune. Absolutely. You're a, a childcare provider yes. here. Uh, and we heard Minister McGrath uh, saying today in his budget address that you know one billion going into childcare next year, they're ahead of target. He said those working in the sector yes. will see improvements in pay and conditions yes. after today. Is that the case for um, you? Well, you see, uh, I suppose there's been many childcare providers who've been paying a good rate of pay um, all along, so the introduction of the ERO wouldn't really make a huge difference to staff in that circumstances. However, there is circumstances within, like my own service, where I have three um, uh, staff who work as AIM staff, where they, we have children with additional needs. So their pay rate, which is funded directly by uh, the government, has increased to 13 euro an hour, which is great. So, so that's one positive. So the, 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 the core funding, the 59 million yes. that's going into childcare, yes. will that benefit all childcare providers? No, it won't. It will benefit some. Uh, like for instance myself, I operate an ECC two sessions in the morning and I will not see any increase in my income. So despite the increase in wages and sick pay and all of these other expenses and obviously the operational costs and uh, utilities and all of that, uh, I won't see any because I've always led, I've always had a graduate led service. Uh, so uh, we would have had, for instance, uh, a higher capitation uh, that we would have got per child every week and uh, program support payment in the summer. So that has been removed. And it's just been juggled into core funding and it means it came back in core funding, but there's been zero increase for my service. Okay, so you don't feel it's a good day for childcare providers. And I know you feel no. some others are sort of being forced into Absolutely. accepting this childcare funding yes. by freezing their fees, which yes. you feel is unfair too. It is because the information uh, which we'll say would have um, been uh, put together in order to uh, you know, uh, introduce core funding and have the information we'll say in relation to the amounts and all of that, that would have come from a Crow report which was done in 2017 and other academics fed into it and some childcare providers but very few. So right. 2017, we're now in 2022 with inflation at 9.1. So all the bills and utilities and everything else has gone up. Yeah, but and they the certainly have gone up. You know, uh, so you know that. I'm very happy for it. parents. Yeah, you say it's a good day I'm for parents. I'm very, very happy for parents. Yeah. Um, speaking of utility bills, Pat McDonough, you have over 40 uh, supermax, you have a number of hotels, your energy costs, I'd imagine, like everybody else, have gone through the roof. Absolutely. Within the company, we have about 45 uh, restaurants, I suppose, across the country, and there's another 65 to 66 or so uh, franchisees. So our bill for last August was 320,000 for the company uh, restaurants. This year it was 857,000. So that's an increase of over half a million. And uh, that has been that way. We've paid actually across the company about two and a half million more this year than, than we did last year for electricity. Now you can relate that to small businesses equally the same thing because they are pay paying equally as much 
Um, so there, there is a, a crisis out there with energy. And um, you said that. You said there's an energy crisis. It's a national emergency for businesses. You said that a couple of weeks ago. Did the government treat it as such in today's budget, do you think? Well, the Taoiseach Mial Martin described it as a wartime crisis in energy a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I don't think they, they understand how serious it is out there yet because and we, we will have a crisis by Christmas. Uh, because certainly, uh, and while I say welcome, uh, as I say, the vets staying at, at 9%, and the help, uh, the subsidy for the the the, uh, the energy, but it doesn't go far enough because by Christmas uh, we'll have a lot of unemployment because of the 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 energy crisis. I was talking to an auctioneer in Galway today who told me he had three people on the phone in the afternoon wanting to sell their business. So that's how serious it is. And, and yet, I'm sure there'll be people at home saying, mm. you know, up to ten thousand euro per month to support a business to pay their electricity bills. That sounds substantial. Surely a business like yours with that sort of support out there could sustain those bills, given the fact that they're hoping that they'll be, you know, short term. Everything is very relative and it's 40% up to a maximum of 10,000. Mm. So you take, for example, the Galway Plaza, and many people would know it's just out the road here. The bill for the Galway Plaza last year, last month was 52,000. Uh, so even if you get 10,000 off that, it's about uh, about 25% of, uh, of the increase since last year. So it is what it is, and uh, you know it is something that every business is going to have to be confronted with. But it's not just that alone, Kira. It's suppliers are looking for increases. Food, uh, food costs are going through the roof because of energy costs with, their, with our suppliers. And up to, we, we were t I was talking to a, a a supplier yesterday. He wouldn't give a, 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 a quote for the year because he says, I don't know where we're going to be by the end of December. So he could only quote and he looked for a 35% increase up to Christmas. So it's the perfect storm that's coming down the line. Uh, I don't know how it's going to work out, but you know, it'll, we'll, we'll have to work out something. And, and the backdrop to all of this, and Pascal Donoghue mentioned it today, is you know, the, the landscape isn't exactly positive. There is softening growth out there, isn't there? Are you seeing demand petering off a little bit as the cost of living crisis crunches at home? We would see the bookings say, in the hotels now uh, slowing down for the last uh, couple of weeks. It was very good up to now, but for the last couple of weeks and for the ne next couple of weeks, it's very much slowing down. Uh, Pascal also said today, Pascal Genu, the shock to income cannot cause a loss of jobs. Do you feel jobs were protected today? Absolutely not. There will be jobs losses in the next couple of, couple of months because uh, small businesses are at their wits end at the moment to try and pay their bills. So it's not even going to be so much the electricity su supply, it's businesses being able to pay for that electricity is going to be the problem. Okay, just very briefly, landlords today, um, there was a, some speculation that there'd be something done to keep landlords within the market. That doesn't really seem to have happened. What's your reaction to that? Well, I, I suppose we supply some of our staff with accommodation uh, across the country where we can. And um, where you can, it's great, but it's, the supply isn't, isn't up to the demand that's needed out there. So, as I say, it's, it's, it's going to be a problem. And that 10% on concrete and building blocks is something that's out of this world because people need to build houses, uh, builders need to build houses. That's not going to incentivize them. All right, look, we're going to have to leave it uh, there for now. Our big budget debate is coming up here next. We will be coming back to Galway in part three, so do stay with us.
Welcome back. I'm joined now by the Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform, Michael McGrath, and Sinn Féin spokesperson on public expenditure and reform, Moraith Farrell. You're both very welcome along to the programme tonight. Big day, busy day. To come to you first, Minister, uh, when we look at this budget, it is the highest budgetary spend in the history of the state, unprecedented really in scale. On the face of it, a very big spend at 11 billion euro. But can you guarantee in this time that this is going to be the inflation buster we need? Well, I think it will be a major help uh, to a lot of people. The, the backdrop to this budget is very complex. Uh, there is uh, such a heightened level of uncertainty now globally. We're seeing changes uh, in the international economy moving in a negative direction. The war in Ukraine has been a real disruptor, not just in energy markets, but in global supply chains has caused inflation initially in energy, but broadening out across a whole range of areas. And so we try to use the resources wisely today um, across a whole range of different areas, while also keeping the public finances in safe territory and making sure that we do manage the country's finances responsibly into the future. But it is a cost of living budget. We acknowledge for many, many people uh, it is a time of real worry. Uh, a lot of large bills have landed and some larger bills are to come, unfortunately, particularly in energy. Uh, and so this budget is a genuine effort by the government to provide assistance to people, much of it targeted, starting in the coming weeks through a whole range of lump sum payments, the commencement of the three electricity credits as well, uh, and then changes of a permanent nature <coughs> next year to kick in, while all the while trying to protect the economy, protect jobs through supporting businesses who also have to deal with really high energy costs at the moment. Okay, Mairead, on that, we've heard what the Minister has had to say and reiterating this, that, you know, extraordinary times and that this budget does reflect it, but at the same time, that note of caution, I suppose, there um, around, you know, the uncertainty that lies ahead and preparing for that as well. Uh, do you look at this budget and think, well, there's a bit of thunder stealing going on here. The government is throwing an awful lot of money around here and in many family-friendly measures, which Sinn Féin has advocated so very strongly for ahead of this budget. Well, I think, first of all, I think families and households are acutely aware of the uncertainty because they feel that uncertainty every single day when they go to their post box and they see what kind of electricity bills are coming in through their letterbox. They feel that uncertainty. So I think what families really needed from the budget today was that level of certainty. And I don't think that they got it. And I can see middle and low income um, families who, who are really concerned now and um, whether they're really going to get that help and support that they need to get through what's going to be an absolutely freezing winter for people. That is the reality. Mm. I mean, we can see it in our clinics already. People are coming and they're saying they're concerned about putting on the heat. They're concerned, um, you know, should they keep the lights on um, late at night? Should they put on the heating and that because they don't know if they're going to be able to pay their bills? And I don't think that the government has given them that certainty that they will be able to get through this winter. Notwithstanding the energy credits that were, were announced today that are coming up um, to help so, to so, help households, to help families in, in, in the form of €600. Euro. So, so in relation to the energy credits, what we were saying very clearly is that the government needs to give certainty in relation to actually having an um, electricity cap and to reduce mm. the cost of electricity back to the summer of 2021. That's a level of certainty that families needed to see in this budget and, and they just haven't seen it. I think that, they, that what they will see is they'll see these energy credits coming in um, and, they'll, and they'll see those being 
gobbled up very quickly and, and, and there is that level of uncertainty. Look, I've already had phone calls and we all, or every mm. single TD will have had phone calls from people in their constituency today saying that they're really worried that they're not going to be able to get through this winter, that they're not sure how they're going to um, pay for, you know, for example, the oil. A third of families rely on oil in this state, that they okay. are concerned about paying for that um, as they're going into the winter months. Okay, and the worries will continue on. I, I guess you acknowledge there, Minister, that, you know, despite these measures today, people will have that fear and that uncertainty will remain. But I want to get on to the welfare rate and, and the, 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 that were announced today and the increase. We do know it's expensive to be poor in this country. And when it came to choosing between 10 euro, 15 euro, 20 euro increase, why did you settle on 12 euro? If I can just very quickly address the issue of a price cap. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. ...that Mairead raised there in respect of energy costs. It's a very attractive idea on the surface, but the reality is that it is an open-ended liability. It is not possible for the government to give any kind of an accurate estimate of what the cost of that would be uh, because nobody can predict with any level of certainty what the wholesale prices are going to be. So our approach is to support people directly through cash payments, through electricity credits and through the European Union framework then uh, to raise revenues from the companies that are making the windfall gains. We think that's a far more sensible and sustainable approach to dealing with. Uh, in relation to uh, social welfare, you have to look at it in the Around. You know, the argument about it being 12 euro versus 15 euro or even 20 euro. You look at the main social welfare recipients, many of them will receive a number of lump sum recipients um, uh, payments, which, if you spread across a 12 month period, could result in another 5 euro or 10 euro per week. Yeah, but I'm so looking at that. I suppose on the, on the choice of, of settling at a 12 euro increase, it's not in keeping with the rate of inflation. But when you add in all of the other measures, uh, then that are once-off measures. Uh, they are once-off, but they are cash. 
they are payments that will be of real value to people. You know, 500 euro payment for people on disability allowance, carers allowance, uh, invalidity, yeah. um, additional fuel allowance payments, people living alone. So we've targeted the resources to those who need it the most. Uh, and we also wanted to make progress in other areas because I do have to make the point that, you know, we wanted to reduce costs in childcare, in education, in healthcare. If we went for 20 euro a week on the core rate, we'd have had no money to do anything else. And we wanted to make progress in all of those other areas uh, because uh, other people need support as well across costs that they're facing in terms of their day-to-day -day so lives. So you want to, I suppose, spread it more thinly and get, and get that money across no, people we, other than welfare recipients we here, Minister. We wanted to target it to the costs that people are facing. OK, look, but, I, I just want to bring in a tweet um, um, because we did ask people their views when... when um, People knew that you were coming on tonight, Minister. No caps on energy prices. Social welfare increase is not enough. Why isn't the energy credit and children's allowance means tested? And why are TDs getting a pay increase in the coming days? So first of all, in relation to um, why isn't there uh, a limit on the level of income that somebody would need to have in order to get an electricity credit, where would you set that level? You know, it's fine to say that somebody on 40,000, 50,000, 60,000 is earning too much and can well afford to pay all their bills. They could have a large mortgage. They could be paying a very high rental payment every month. Um, you know, they could have high childcare costs. They could have health expenses. So we have targeted the vast bulk of the measures in this budget to people who need it the most. We have done the distribution and analysis. It shows that the people who need the most help in this budget are getting the most help. That is categoric. And all of the analysis that will come out in the coming days will stand over that conclusion. OK. Uh, well, what, we are, what, would you, what would you say to that? Because a, a key argument, as was Sinn Féin is this isn't helping low and mid middle income earners as it should. Well, the first question that I would actually have for the Minister, uh, um, and it's something that has come out already in, uh, in organisations, I mean, there is the concern uh, and the real fear that the 12 euro increase simply isn't enough. Um, and we in Sinn Féin uh, clearly said that we would start that kind of an increase from from now, from 2022, um, to 15 euro, and then to further increase it by 17.50. But the question really is, why is it that the government think that the, that these these families and these households um, can can continue until January and only get that increase in January? How do how does the government believe that that? But we're not asking them to do that, Marie. We're giving them help in the coming weeks. Yes, but uh, why why are you not increasing those um, social those weekly social welfare rates now? So I mean because, that is and that is the query that people are going to ask. Sure. That's the kind of certainty that um, families and um, pensioners and that actually do sure. need. We do know that you're bringing in those. Um, once-off payments and that. But the reality is what people do need to see is that certainty. Then in relation to the tweet... Um, Sorry, I just want to get the relation to well, answer I mean, on that uh, one. Look, there's a very simple answer to that. Those people are getting payments in the coming weeks. Everybody on a core weekly social welfare payment is getting a double week and is also getting the Christmas bonus, which is the second double week. Yes, I Anyone living alone is getting €200 Euro living alone allowance. Anyone who is a carer is getting €500. Euro. Anyone on disability allowance, invalidity, blind pension is getting €500. Euro. Any low-income working family is getting an immediate payment of €400. Euro. So that's the way in which we are doing it. And then the permanent increases uh, will kick in from the 1st of January. Yes, but the real question is, and the Minister didn't answer that, is why those permanent increases aren't coming from now. To go back to the tweet... Because um, we that have you... a substitute. We have an alternative to that. 
Yes, but all the organisations have already said very clearly that those permanent increases need to happen from now. But just to let me to go back to, um, to that tweet, and I think it's quite an interesting point um, that that tweet makes in relation to higher income individuals. And we've seen it. I mean, we had so much talk from the government about the billion euro that um, they were going to spend in terms of... Um, in, in terms of tax and many people and I know a lot of people see my, people my own age who are on 32, 35,000 you know young teachers young guards people working across um, different kind of jobs in Galway um, and, and across this state who won't see and the benefit okay. from from the biggest in terms of the forty thousand. Can I put that sure. to you to you, Michael McGrath? Because it is one of the emerging criticisms is that this is a budget that benefits the wealthy, because the tax band adjustment cutting off that standard rate at forty thousand euro benefits you to the tune of say eight hundred and thirty euro a year, and exactly. you get child benefit, uh, the doubling of those yeah. those core universal benefits. Um, and yet for somebody earning, say, €30,000, sure. they're not benefiting to the same so, extent. You know, you'll have to look at it in the round and look at the impact of all of the measures. And we have carried out that distributional analysis. And it's very clear uh, that the lowest income groups have benefited the most from this budget, uh, which is absolutely right and proper. It is a progressive uh, and a fair budget. On the income tax question, if I may answer that, like Mairead knows, we have a highly progressive income tax system, one of the most progressive in the world, that the more you earn, the more you pay. Uh, about 20% of earners in this country pay almost 80% of the income tax. Uh, and the truth is that the effective rate of tax on lower levels of income in Ireland is quite low, but it rises very dramatically as you go up the income profile. But that is why we have complemented our tax package with a whole mm. range of other measures that will support people on lower incomes, including through uh, improving access to the working family payment by lifting the entry threshold there and by making uh, additional but just payments. Just quick one on, on the working family, family payment, payment and, well. and I'll, I'll, I'll get you there, Marie. Just on that, we have had, like Vincent de Paul saying, you know, in terms of targeting you know, did you miss a trick there? Because with the likes of fuel allowance, it, you could have instantly helped 50,000 low-income families and protect them over the winter months by expanding the, the, the fuel allowance yeah. so that, that working families getting that payment could also avail of fuel allowance. You chose not to do that. Well, we have, we have very significantly increased the uh, entry point for the fuel allowance um, by going from €120 Euro above the state contributory pension rate to now being €200 Euro above it. So that will allow many thousands of, uh, of low-income families who are on a core welfare weekly rate to also get the okay, fuel so allowance. OK, so what about this 50,000 low-income families that VDP uh, are talking about? What, well, do, we do, you know, do you know what, do you know what they're... I, I assume they're referring to people who are on, uh, on the working family payment. Okay. Uh, if people are on a core weekly rate, uh, then uh, that increase in the eligibility does apply to them. Uh, we've also extended the fuel allowance to people who... But they're saying it doesn't apply. Well, not for work. not automatically. Point. It doesn't automatically. It depends on you have to be on a qualifying core weekly social welfare payment and then okay. have an income level that where the band is now increased from 120 above the okay, rate so to 200 above. So no automatic entitlement there, uh, Marie. Well, that is a cohort that we in Sinn Féin in our alternative budget um, said those working families on low income and um, with children that they should be included in terms of the fuel allowance because they will see um, significant costs this winter. But Minister, I have to say, um, in relation to um, your tax proposals, I just don't see how you can think it's fair that somebody who is on 130,000 will see an extra income of 830 euro and then somebody on 35,000, like so many people, 
um, will only see yeah, 190 euro. See, you know, no, but you're saying see it in the round. If I can respond. But yeah, you're you, le- you have to let you me also always, respond, Minister, because I did you let you in. But, you but to be clear, that is completely unfair. It, that people on such high incomes, you know, when we have people um, coming to us who are really uh, who are really struggling and they see that kind of level of uh, unfairness. And I, I, I really do think that that well, has come I out of this budget. Can I just say what, what, what Sinn Féin would have done? Yes, yeah, so what we were, what we have proposed um, is changes in the USC, and we would have also seen. Um, so that would have been targeted at those kind of lower income um, house uh, and middle well, income houses. USC. Absolutely. So two ra- two rates would have been changed. Um, one from 0.5, say the lowest, to zero, and then um, okay. the other rate... Just briefly on that, the USC, there well, has also the been some... made first? Um, you know, okay. Sinn Féin will always uh, exaggerate the points. Not you exaggeration. Re- you refer to somebody on 130, 140,000 euro. Somebody on 40,000 euro gets the exact same benefit as somebody on 140,000 euro in this budget. Uh, your alternative budget would increase income tax by almost a billion euro. And you say, we'll target the higher earners. Absolutely. Well, actually, you're targeting people earning 60,000 or more uh, by, you are, by taking away pension tax relief in respect to contributions on incomes above that, which will hit many public servants, many private sector workers. But, you know, you're you're, you're using an example uh, to make a point, but it's not a fair example. But it's true. Someone on 40,000 will get the, the exact same benefit. Okay. As somebody on 130,000. Yes, Look, there exactly. are a lot of other issues so, to get I through. I don't think 40,000 is a very high... Neither do right. I, 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 think I, think I, think, I. think I think you both appreciate there, there are many issues uh, to get through in this budget. On the help for renters, um, are you happy, Malcolm McGrath, that that's the most you could have done for renters in this accommodation crisis where we're seeing average rents in Dublin stand at over €2,000 a month, uh, according to the Residential Tenancy Board latest figures, for over €1,400 outside Dublin, and yet the credit is €500. Well, it's a start, and it's not the only support that we're giving to renters, because, of course, they have all of the same day-to-day costs and living expenses as people in society. Um, Because we have a situation in Ireland where we are losing uh, landlords in the market. Uh, We're seeing a reduction in rental properties available. Uh, And if if we want to keep the properties in the market at the moment uh, and bring more into the market to increase the supply of rental accommodation, then I think that measure, even if it were legally permissible, just result in more and more of an exodus. Are you worried, and though? And we've heard, we've heard this about any rental relief in place, that the rents will simply hike up accordingly. Well, we have rent pressure zones covering all of the main urban centres. Yeah, but not limit, everywhere, that, not nationally, well, not where na- we're seeing rent not rises nationally, nationally. But certainly in all uh, the main urban areas, including our cities, where the most acute pressure is, uh, and there is a limit there of 2%, as you know, in uh, the increase in rents. Um, My quest- but a rental tax credit will be, played, will be paid in respect of the current year, at €500 Euro for 2022, and next year as well. So it's €1,000 Euro combined. It's a start, says the and minister. For a couple, it's twice that. I think it's this is literally taking a Sinn Féin policy and, and mixing it up. Um, but what I do find uh, quite funny but also disturbing is the fact that this was something that my party has been raising for some time and it was um, the Taoiseach, Miha Martin, who warned that it would be inflationary and that it would be putting uh, money back into landlords' pockets. The whole concept of this is that you need to have a rent freeze at the same time. Um, and look, there are people that are going to look at this and they're going to see, they're going to think, OK, we have 500 euro coming back in, but they're just going to see rent increase and it's, go- and it's going to be gobbled up. That's the reality. Your own... Government, your own Taoiseach 
and the Minister for Finance in response to questions by my party said that it, it, that without a rent freeze, it would just be go straight back into well, I, in I landlord's pockets. I honestly think what would happen in pockets. that scenario, Mairead, is you would see a continued reduction in the availability of rental properties around the country. And that is not in the interest of renters either. We need to have a good supply of rental accommodation. And that does mean supporting renters, which we are doing in this budget. But if we're just going to continue to hammer landlords and drive them out of the market, it's the renters will suffer ultimately because the accommodation simply won't be there for them. And is it better to have the investment funds buying up the second-hand homes, which we are seeing as well at this very moment in time? The reality is we don't want to see... Um, this exodus, but we are seeing it. And I can see it in Galway City myself. I mean, there is nothing to rent at the moment. People are being pushed into homelessness. I raised that with you today. But the reality is this this tax credit, um, while a good idea, an idea that my colleague Owen O'Brien has been putting forward for some time, we know that it won't work unless there's a rent freeze coinciding with it. Is that something it. that you may consider, Minister? In line, this rent freeze, the push isn't just from Sinn Féin, it's from many people look, who are trapped in that rental yeah, crisis and, and, and many and, uh, on the we, benches we, of the opposition. We, we hear those calls, but you have to think through what the consequences of doing that are. And there are always ramifications when you interfere with a policy in that way. And uh, it certainly seems to me that it would inevitably result in a further reduction in the availability of rental properties okay. in, the Ireland, uh, in Ireland. And I think we already have a squeeze in that area and I think it would make okay. it worse. We'll have to leave it there. My thanks to Minister Michael McGrath and Sinn Féin's Maurice Farrell. Lots more after this break, including more from Kira in Galway. Stay with us. To the University of Galway for more opinion and analysis. I'm joined now by Professor John McHale, Head of Economics in the University of Galway and writer Gemma Haverty. You're both very welcome to the programme. I want to start with you, uh, Professor. 11 billion, an unprecedented spend on Budget 2023. Was it a visionary budget? No, I don't think it was particularly visionary. There's uh, a lot of money spread uh, uh, across you know, a, a wide range of areas, but I think I think that was uh, necessary um, uh, in that uh, there's a lot of people suffering across the economy, so I think they had to uh, uh, spread it widely. Uh, Childcare, perhaps? I think that is one area that does uh, stand out as uh, a really new role for the for the government and the economy. Something I think that began last year, but I think we're seeing the government uh, take a much more substantial role in that sector, and that's going to have. Uh, long-term uh, implications uh, uh, for, for society. It's a new um, uh, area of, of spending and there's a lot of pressure on spending in the economy. Uh, but as we sort of compare Ireland to, uh, across other European countries, I think it's some, an area that the, the government needed to become more involved in. Mm, and perhaps still a long way to go. A long way to go. The scale of the spend, over 11 billion, did they get that right? Uh, I'm probably one of the, uh, the only people uh, saying that, that too money uh, was spent. Um, uh, and this is really uh, you know, from the economics point of view. Uh, I think in the original uh, summary economic statement, they had about the right size in terms of the overall package, 6.7 in, 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 in billion in permanent measures. And the speculation was another uh, billion in one-off measures. But what we saw really in the days leading up to the budget, almost a frenzy in terms of the, the, the one-off measures. Uh, and I do worry that the overall package is sort of inappropriate for the economy at the moment. Uh, it's going to make it harder to control inflation, uh, which is the problem that they're, they're, they're trying to respond to. Well, it's stoke inflation. 
Well, is there a risk it, there? Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think it will. Uh, so inflation in the Irish economy at the moment is, is 9%. It's 9.1% across the Eurozone. But one thing we had going for us is that Irish inflation was very much aligned with the, the overall euro area inflation so that we could uh, depend on central bank policy to be appropriate uh, to Ireland. Uh, but Ireland is likely to grow more strongly uh, than uh, the rest of the, the euro area, which is likely to raise Irish inflation above euro area inflation. We're seeing the government project that themselves, and that is going to undermine competitiveness in the Irish economy. Uh, so there, I think there will be costs uh, in terms of what I see as sort of a, an inappropriate overall macroeconomic stance of the, of the budget. Do you think it was a fair budget? I mean, we've heard time and time again from a number of groups um, that it needed to be targeted, the measures must be targeted. Was it fair and are they targeted enough? Well, I think it's a mixed bag in, in terms of the, uh, the one-off measures. I think there was reasonable uh, targeting there uh, a lot uh, in terms of these uh, various double payments that will uh, uh, be to the benefit uh, of uh, social welfare recipients. I do worry a lot more about the, the permanent measures. Uh, so if you see the percentage increase, for instance, in the uh, contributory state pension, uh, that was a 4.7% increase. On the other hand, there was an 8.7% increase in the threshold for the higher rate of income tax, which was brought up to, to, to 40,000. Uh, it's very hard to see that as, as targeted. Or if we look at uh, the tax credits, there the uh, percentage increase was 4.4%, and that goes to a much uh, uh, broader spectrum of the, uh, of the population. So in terms of those permanent measures, I, I, I do think it, it could have been more targeted. Um, do you feel, Gemma, the budget targeted you. I'm conscious that you wrote an article in the Irish Times recently and you said anyone under 30 is unimportant to this government. Did you feel important today? Um, no. And I know that's very negative. Like a lot of people say that our kind of age group complains and just never sees any positive. But like realistically, like women's healthcare, that was great. But like for me now, this time next year, I'll be in exactly the same financial position as I am in now, which is bad, obviously. Um, there's just nothing really being given to our age group. And it seems like even though people have like continuously kind of made an attempt to kind of get their attention, they're just either, they don't see it or they're just sidestepping it completely. I mean, you're 22 years of age, you're a qualified nail technician, you're a makeup artist, you wear renting, but it all just got too expensive and you're now back living at home. Um, yeah, so I like I really like kind of my independence. So even though I knew that it would be a struggle, I made my best efforts and I moved out and I was working like loads of overtime trying to pay for it. I was working about 50 hours a week. And um, at the end of every month, like I still had no money. Like I was bringing my parents, like asking them for a bit of money to like help me pay my rent or my car insurance. And like, that's not exactly for like an amazing apartment. It was a very small mm. one bedroom apartment. It was very moldy. It was damp. It was so cold. There was no insulation. And like, that's the reality of it. Eventually I had to say like, I'm not, I don't have enough money to even really buy my weekly shop and pay my rent. So I just ended up moving back in with my parents. So the changes to the tax ban today wouldn't have put any more money into your pocket, you wouldn't have been earning enough, and the rent credits isn't any use to you because you've actually given up your house now? Yeah, no, um, nothing really has changed for me, to be honest, from today. Um, where do you see your future then, Gemma, when you feel that you're not a priority for this government? Um, I mean, it is sad, like, you know, home is where the heart is and everything. But eventually I do see myself emigrating because like, and my friends as well, like we've all kind of talked about it. Like, it just kind of seems like 
there's nothing here for us and it doesn't seem like it will kind of get better anytime soon. And I think it's gone so far now that it won't change. You know, you need so much to change that it's just we will have to emigrate to find something better. All right, we're going to have to leave it there. Professor John McHale and Gemma Haverty, thank you both for joining us. Back to you, the studio, Claire. Thanks for that, Kira. Now for his take on the day, I'm joined again by our economics correspondent, Paul Colgan. And I suppose, Paul, after all that, how will the government be judged on, on this? Because so much was expected of this budget. Well, nobody knows and the government doesn't know and the people who put the budget together behind the scenes don't know. They're trying to get through, I think, the next three or four months. They're trying to get through the winter and then assess where everybody stands into the new year. What will have happened with regards to Ukraine? What will have happened to those commodity prices which are really fueling this crisis? Will they have eased somewhat? Will petrol and diesel be that bit cheaper? Will there be room to manoeuvre? And nobody knows the answer. So that will be the time to judge whether this budget went far enough or too far, whether it was fair enough. There's a balancing act the government has to strike between protecting the most vulnerable people in society, but also protecting the economy as a whole, in a sense, trying to replace some of that lost income. But there's no doubt that it can't keep up with the rate of inflation that's now envisaged, and it could only ever do so much. So it remains to be seen that judgment call still has to be made. Yeah, instability, really the word of the day. It was cited in various budget speeches today by government. And, and no guarantee that an emergency budget or more measures won't be needed between now and next year. Yes, the, the ghost of the noughties and the economic crash and, and the budgets to follow that still haunts this government. And you could see that with the announcement that they're putting more money into the National Reserve Fund, $2 billion this year, $4 billion next year. They're worried about contingencies. Inflation has been revised up this year. It's going to average 8.5. Next year, it's going to average 7%. Growth has been forecast the other direction. Very little growth next year. The lowest growth forecast we've seen from any government since the economic crash. So there has been a turning point over the summer with regards to the economy. They, they, they can detect that within the Department of Finance. It's just how bad it gets. They want to leave something in reserve. Tonight, the European Commission president has said she believes the, the leaks at the Nord Stream pipeline, the gas pipeline, were an act of sabotage. That gives you a sense of how unstable the world is and, and, and where things could potentially head over the winter months. OK, Paul, thank you for that. That is it from us. My thanks to all of our guests tonight. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. You can now also find us on Instagram and from today on TikTok, tonight VMTV. Uh, but from all the late team here, good night. Take care. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. 